Welcome to the Bath Institute for Rheumatic Diseases Information Podcasts. I'm Mel Brook, the Patient and Public Engagement Programme Director for BIRD. In this podcast, I have a really interesting discussion about nutrition in relation to arthritis with Chavi Bunzel, a registered associate nutritionist and chef who's also worked within a clinical nutrition capacity. Nutrition is something that many people wonder about when looking to help and self-manage their arthritis, but they can come across a lot of confusing and conflicting advice. Chavi shares not only her professional, qualified perspective on nutrition, but also what gives this extra authenticity is that she shares some of her own experience of having a rheumatic condition. She tells us about her tips for how to manage good nutritional intake during difficult times, such as flare-ups. Nutrition is a huge topic, and we have tried to cover a lot. So much so that this is actually the first of a two-part podcast, so make sure you stick around for both episodes. In this part one, we talk around the anti-inflammatory diet, what a healthy diet looks like. And Chavi speaks from the heart about the challenges of eating well when you live with a chronic condition like arthritis. And she shares her tips for maintaining it as much as possible and the importance of even the small wins on our own sense of well-being. Hi, Chavi. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks, Mel. It's been it's a real pleasure. I'm excited for this conversation. Yeah, I think a lot of people are going to be really interested to hear this. It's a topic that often comes up and there's very little kind of advice out there that we feel we can trust. I think it's probably a good idea actually to start with who you are, what you do, where you're qualified in this field, if, if you don't mind. Sure, of course. And first of all, thank you for inviting me on. Um, So a little about me first, let me just, you know, I thank you for the wonderful introduction, but um, I'm Chavi, um, excited to talk about nutrition. So my background is quite varied, actually. So I am a registered associate nutritionist. Uh, What that means is I'm uh, registered with this governing body in the UK called Association for Nutritionists. So I am a registered nutritionist, um, but I'm also a chef by background and I currently work in the policy space I trained in clinical nutrition but then kind of went on to do my master's in global public health nutrition so very nutrition focused very food focused basically that's what's on my mind all of the time um and then work in the policy space a little bit varied here and there um so you know generally I'm quite passionate about being evidence-based but more importantly sometimes is making sure that nutrition is accessible there's just an array of information out there sometimes difficult to access and sometimes can almost add stress so that's something I'm quite passionate about um in part because I also have axial spondyloarthropathy, uh, which, um, you know, some of your listeners will know, most of your listeners will know, but if people who don't, it's um, a type of arthritis that predominantly affects my back and spine, uh, my spine and hips actually, and, but also I get peripheral um, involvement to my smaller joints and it's a bit all over. And uh, like a lot of people, I mean, I was diagnosed about, what, seven years ago now, but I've had symptoms for over two decades. So um, kind of almost learned to manage it long before I was actually officially diagnosed. So something also I care a lot about, which is, you know, being mindful of my 
body's kind of changing capacity and uh, the role nutrition, um, sleep, health in general might play in that. So, um, yeah, that's a little bit about me and kind of why my motivation to come on here. Thanks, Chavi. I'm sure a whole lot of people can relate to your experience. Can I yeah, can I maybe. ask, did the chefing lead to the interest in nutrition? Is that how it worked or were you always a nutritionist? Good question. Um, and so the chefing predates the nutrition, but the interest in nutrition has always been there. But to mm. be honest, something like cooking, making something tangible is something I've always been passionate about. So I went and became a chef and I worked in that space. It was actually because of my health, unfortunately, that I, it for me personally, my disease progressed quite quickly. And at the time I didn't have a diagnosis and um, I'm sure people have stories and I won't um, bore people with mine, but uh, you know, I was in bed rest for a year and the whole lot. And people, while doctors were trying to figure out what I had, it just meant that I had to take a step back. Mm. And in that time, I had a lot of time to think while on bed rest and think what is for me personally, if it continues the way it does, the disease, um, what can I do that is a bit more sustainable for me? And what am I still passionate about? So I don't have to give that part up. Um, and nutrition just seemed like the clearest and most obvious choice. And though it did require additional many years of training, it was it's been completely worth it. Absolutely. These these things, they are always very personal, aren't they? Even when you are following any kind of advice, it's still very personal. And I think it's really important to make that clear that what works for one person isn't going to work for another. Always. So this is a real journey, isn't it? But I can imagine that if you really enjoyed the chefing part of it, that then being able to understand and source the ingredients that might help you is a really good synergy. Oh, 100%. And also, I think sometimes, like, as you say, what might work for one person may not for somebody else. But one is over the years that some of the kind of recommendations around nutrition can sometimes not always sometimes be reduced to things that don't taste very good or might not be as appealing for people and that's something that's just a big no-no for me as a chef so um because mm. I think food is such a big part of our pleasure in life and a big part of you know how we interact with others what we enjoy that um I think it should it's very important to me that things that are good for us and nutritious and you know things that may help us manage our conditions um are also we don't take away the pleasure side of it. Yeah, I agree. I totally agree. So with that in mind, um let's start to work our way through what we know and what things are from your perspective and your knowledge we can kind of pick your brains for a few pieces of information that hopefully people will find helpful who are listening. So can we start with the anti-inflammatory diet? We hear about things like the Mediterranean diet and it would be interesting to know from your perspective what are anti-inflammatory diets and, and why they're good for you. Can we talk about that? Yes, definitely. And this is such, such a kind of big topic but such an important one. So I think Right off the bat, before we start, I should say that, um, you know, this is based on kind of what I have experienced both in a clinical setting and my, you know, my reading of the subject. Some people may have differing opinions, but in terms of if we go down to the evidence, first of all, let me start by what is anti-inflammatory diet. So there's no one kind of prescribed anti-inflammatory diet. You already mentioned one, which is the Mediterranean diet. There's also one um, called the DASH diet, which is often prescribed for people um, who have high blood pressure. So the full form of DASH is dietary 
approaches to stop hypertension. I believe hypertension is high blood pressure. Um, there's also kind of general anti-inflammatory diets that go around uh, that don't have kind of an umbrella term, but you know, have recommendations around it, which are quite similar to the Mediterranean or the DASH diet, but I can go into that a bit more. So I guess, generally speaking, anti-inflammatory diets focus a lot on plant-based foods. So mostly fruits and vegetables. Um, So similar to uh, the Mediterranean diet, which is essentially based on those healthy fats, Um, some intake of dairy. uh, There's not, it's not a very restrictive diet. So there's still uh, people will still consume things like red meat or uh, processed, ultra processed foods that that still be part of the diet, but in much smaller, significantly smaller quantities. So that's in a nutshell what, you know, an anti-inflammatory diet, what we mean when we say that. In terms of evidence, I think there's it's a little bit mixed at the moment in terms of, you know, actually going through studies and seeing what effect does it have on different conditions or for different people. So I'm going to focus just on arthritis at the moment because yeah. there is quite robust evidence around other conditions like cardiovascular conditions or, um, like I mentioned, high blood pressure and th- things like that. In terms of arthritis, it's quite – we essentially – what you'll often hear people say is it's inconclusive. We don't know for sure if it would mm-hmm. help. What I can say, in my opinion, is we haven't seen any studies to say it will hurt. So this is something that has some limited evidence, um, but I cannot say with confidence that you know this would be transformative in X, Y, and Z ways. Like in mm-hmm. some some cases, we have that information for certain things. We don't for this, but. I haven't seen any negative effects of this. Generally speaking, it's quite close to what I would personally describe as a healthy diet overall anyway. Um, so that's kind of where we are at. The reason, kind of what's the theory behind it is because a lot of the foods are seen as anti-inflammatory. So what they, there are two parts of this. One, that they're not pro-inflammatory. By that, I mean, they don't increase inflammation um, in your body. Um, so things like stuff that we have seen that are known to do that uh, can be say things like um, fizzy drinks, you know, in high quantities can are known to if you regularly consume them in high quantities, can have an effect on your inflammation. Mm. Um, so these are known as to be kind of the counter of those in particular in people who do consume those pro-inflammatory things these foods that I've just outlined can kind of um, counter that Um, at the same time there are also things like some people may have heard the term antioxidants Um, so this diet is known to be high in antioxidants by that I mean um, antioxidants are essentially the opposite the counter oxidant Oxidants. So basically anything that oxidizes um, in our body without going into detail, it's supposed to be it counteracts some of the things that, you know, we walk around and we're exposed to with with or without, um, you know, being intentional about it, for example, pollution that can lead to, you know, oxidative stress. These are all terms that doesn't really matter, but it's the, all of us will, will experience day to day. So these foods are have properties that essentially in our body help counter some of that um, right. which is where the theory comes from which is why people started studying it in the first place you know so that's in a nutshell um where it comes from but yeah and that's where I think the evidence sits at right so so anti-inflammatory really means foods that are more likely to help us offset anything else that's like coming through to us from the environment from other foods that we take is that right 
Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. So can we talk about what a healthy diet looks like? Because we're again, we're often told eat healthily. Well, what is that? What what do we do to achieve eating healthily? Sure. Um, and again, I'm sorry for being that person who is like, well, there are levels to this, there are caveats to this. And I'll I'll put I'll break it down in terms of what I think is a healthy diet, but also specific to arthritis. Um, so in terms of a healthy diet, I think if we broadly speaking, if I were to put my stamp, my personal kind of clinical stamp on something, it would be the something like the Mediterranean diet. Now that's not to say, because there are a lot of cultural foods that are out there mm. or people, cultural patterns that people, I mean, I'm of Indian heritage and there are amazing foods in um, kind of my culture that may not directly translate to the Mediterranean diet, but they are healthy. So instead of focusing just on the Mediterranean diet, let me talk about the components of that diet. So, you know, it's a focus on fruits and vegetables. Um, that's the primary focus. And I think you can find that across the board in many cultural foods. And, you know, so what I want to make sure is that people can adapt the healthy diet to what they like, what they're used to, whether it's because of, um, like I said, cultural reasons or just what they grew up with or just what their palate likes. But if I was to put that in an umbrella, so a large focus on fruits and vegetables. Um, I'm very personally, and people take a different view on this, but personally, I'm quite against prescribing, you know, things like vegetarian only or vegan only, because I don't think, you know, it's not a one size fits all um, approach. Mm -hmm. But in any of those situations, I think it's possible to be healthy. And the, let me kind of get to that is so a focus on fruits and vegetables um, being so um, if we talk about, I mean, there's such a, there's a thing called the eat well guide that people are quite widely um, familiar with. Um, and I think, you know, that, that can have its own controversy in its own self. And I won't go into that, that, but generally speaking, that's a kind of a good summary of what is considered healthy diet. Personally, the way I see a healthy diet or when I describe a healthy plate to someone, it's, you know, take half of your plate and just kind of fill, aim to fill that with fruits and veg. That's, the goal for me is half of it, not just from the, you know, plants have this components called polyphenols and they're, you know, the antioxidants I was talking about, um, but they also have a lot of fiber, which we know is good for kind of a good digestive system. It helps you um, kind of go regularly, go to the loo regularly, have that kind of um, turnaround of foods in your digestive system. So mm. I would say half of your plate should be there. Um, I'd say about a quarter or a fistful of um, a protein. So that can be a animal source protein, a plant-based protein, but you know, focusing on protein um, and then having some healthy fat. So, you know, whether that's covering your food in olive oil or um, even, you know, smaller quantities of dairy that tends to have, um, it can be quite fat-based. Um, so things like that. And then it's not, I don't believe in restriction um, unless, you know, medically necessary, which in some instances are, uh, but generally speaking, I don't believe in restrictions. Um, so I would say, you know, small components of red meat or even um, convenience foods. By convenience foods, I mean, they can sometimes be processed foods, not always, but can be. Um, then I would say that to me is a component of a healthy diet. So it's frustrating, but I'm the kind of person that would say, everything in moderation because mm. I think a healthy diet has to work hand in hand with your stress levels which I can go to um in a bit more detail later as well but with your stress levels with how you you know eat with your family it's not always possible to cook three different meals for all the people um around if you're doing the cooking um 
Yeah, so overall, I think for me, what a healthy diet, you know, without all of the different considerations would be like imagine a plate. So like half of it would be fruits and vegetables. And that's, you know, a lot of your fiber, your micronutrients. And then about a quarter, imagine like a fistful size of like your protein. Um, and then it can be plant-based or animal-based. Um, and then, you know, the rest of it around um, maybe another kind of small chunk would be your um, carbohydrates. So whether it's your potatoes, your bread, your rice, um, you know, what it may be for, for you and according to your preferences. Um, and then having kind of focus around fat as well. So whether it's, you know, adding like healthy fats, like um, your the olive oil on your fruit and veg, um, uh, maybe not the fruit so much, actually, maybe the veg. Um, and then maybe it could be, um, so yeah, olive oil on your veg um, um, and even oily fish. So oily fish are really known to be high in omega-3s. Um, and this is something, you know, like the fish oil supplements that you get, but in particular the omega-3s. And there are these fish called smash fish um, that is recommended. So you, I would recommend, you know, about two portions a week or two of those a week, which is, I, I don't really like to like weigh foods and things like that, but I think on average it's about 140 grams per portion, about two portions a week. And the smash fish are salmon mackerel anchovies sardines and herring so those are the ones that are particularly high in omega-3 so those are recommended of course like I said you know I don't really like to be prescriptive I think you can be healthy on a you know pescatarian diet on a um uh vegan diet vegetarian diet you can be a meat so you can be healthy it's all about kind of how you um kind of what the ratios are, but generally speaking, that's kind of what I recommend. And the fats can be, you no know, other fat sources can be, you know, nuts and seeds and things like that. Um, this, what I imagine like a healthy diet, if you can tolerate dairy, includes small amounts of dairy and things like that. And of course, convenience foods. Um, so I just wanted to kind of, broadly speaking, that's what I would imagine it to be. And then, you know, if you have chronic conditions or other conditions and um, or medications that might look different or even just where you are at with your disease. Does that kind of answer in terms of what I think is a healthy diet? And then I'll go into the arthritis bit a bit more. Yes, I think so. I think it gives us a rounded view of um, what our dinner plate should look like, which is the, the simplest way to translate this, isn't it? Is, is what should we should be eating. Yeah, and I'd hope so, um, that ultimately I don't want to say anything. So if at any point I say something that you think, okay, but Chavi, how does that going? How is that going to look like in my life? Please do. If I go down my, you know, theoretical brain, please do stop me and say, no, no, no. How is that going to look in practice? Um, and actually to that point, this is why I think it's slightly different for people with arthritis or chronic conditions in general, um, uh, or people want a shift pattern. You know, there's, this is why, I mean, this is why my profession will exist because sometimes, you know, we need to have that tailored view. But generally speaking, when I have, when I see people who have chronic conditions and we're talking about what is a healthy diet, it may look quite different because you know, especially if you're going through a flare-up and actually coincidentally, I'm going through a flare-up right now and I have an, almost an increased appreciation of what that means. So am I able to meal prep the way I was, say, a few months ago? No. Um, am I able to uh, rely on my, say, I've planned, I'm going to do some cooking on a Wednesday. Am I able to rely on that? Not always, because I wake up and my pain level is different. Um, depends on your living situation. I personally... Um, 
have I'm fortunate enough I have some help around but I don't have regular help around so can I rely on saying you know what I'll do a shop run um that day and know that I can definitely do that no so Mm. but does that mean I'm not eating healthy no I think I am eating a healthy diet at the moment does my diet look the same as it did a few months ago nope um so I think that's really important to emphasize so for example what what are the things that I have changed um as I'm going through this flare-up I am relying a lot more on frozen veg. I'm relying a lot more on canned um, veg, canned fish. Um, I try to go for things that, for example, are, you know, whether it's um, fish in water or olive oil, um, just so making sure that I can have those healthy fats that I mentioned or have, um, you know, lower the amount of ultra processed foods I have, but you can definitely get that. Um, I... One thing that I think is not spoken about enough, and I am working as a consultant at the moment, if I have a flare up, I'm not able to affect my earning capacity. Mm. Um, So if you're, say, long term suffering, it may have changed, may not have, but it may have changed how much you're earning. Not all foods are that accessible. And I do shift my pattern based on if I'm earning less just to kind of get ahead of things. I will shift for kind of cheaper options. Like I said, frozen veg is a cheaper option. But frozen veg is such a good option because it's frozen at the point when it's it's frozen almost the quickest point where it's when it's harvested, it's frozen then. So all of the nutrients are fro- it's almost frozen in time. So it's it's very good for you. It's actually packed in nutrients. You're not losing much in that uh, or anything. Um, so I think it's such an accessible option to go for. Um, it doesn't mean I always go for that, but that's mainly because, you know, sometimes it can affect taste or sometimes if I'm out and about and I'll look at things and they catch my eyes, so I'll buy like fresh produce, but not always. But I- a big part of my life so that's really important to know the other thing is important to know is I'm I go easy on myself so for example if I've just happened to not be able to meal prep or not be able to get healthy foods I know that my diet on a daily basis will not make or break anything Mm. Um, a diet healthy diet is as a whole we're not talking you know hour to hour day to day or even week to week we're talking as a whole say in the span of a few weeks If I have a day where I need to kind of rely on more convenience foods, I will. And I won't kind of give myself a hard time about that. So I think to me, it's important to note that people who have arthritis or chronic conditions, their healthy diet might look a bit different and their prep times might look a bit different. Mm, There's so many truths in that, Chave. Really appreciate that you're sort of sharing your personal experience as well. You're absolutely right. When you're flaring or, you know, when you've got high disease activity, you don't feel like prepping and cooking and you want something that's just easy. You're hungry, you need to eat, but it's not always easy. So those are some really, really good tips in there about how to go easy on yourself. You're absolutely right. You need to be gentle on yourself at times like that. Not beat yourself up for not being able to cook and eat to the standards that you might when you're better or when you're feeling well so I think that's really useful for people to hear because it's totally relatable and all of these things like you say they should be affordable to our pocket and achievable otherwise it's just another stick to beat ourselves with isn't it yeah I absolutely agree with you and there's a famous quote that says perfection is the enemy of progress and I you know I feel like I remind myself that almost on a daily basis because Mm. um in so many parts of my life, but particularly with my food to say, it's just, 
it needs to be a step in the right direction, hopefully. And that doesn't always, it's a bit like, what's that thing? What's that dance? Cha-cha that you go back and forth on um, and you're still moving forward. Um, And I I hope I haven't got that horrendously wrong. And all of the dancers everywhere will tell me that. (laughs) Please stick to nutrition. <laughs> so, but I feel like it's that kind of back and forth movement, and um, you're still moving forward, and you're still kind of, you know, um, making progress. And I think yeah. that's really important, especially with, with when you're living with a chronic condition. Yeah, and and things are particularly expensive at the moment. It, there's even more pressure on people to, you know, make cuts in their like weekly food budgets and things like that. So, I think to know things like frozen vegetables, for instance that are usually quite reasonable to buy are actually quite good still nutritionally is is really useful. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I think there's, I don't know, I feel like sometimes, um, and maybe it helps that I've ha- I lived with this condition. I think sometimes that I found that I, when I saw specialists, one thing that was sometimes overlooked is the impact on your mental health. So for example, mm. if I'm going through a flare up, I don't know, maybe this is not a common experience, but I have a feeling it is, is that you sometimes think that, well, what can I do? What is in my control? Because a lot of it isn't in your control, but what is in your control? And then you can kind of almost compound the stress to think, okay, well, I've heard the healthy diet and I really need to focus on that. And then you give yourself a hard time um, because you think, you know, and it's understandable where that comes from. You think, well, I want to do what I can with a healthy diet. And that is important. Mm. But then it's almost all those challenges that we've spoken about already are just compounded, you know, whether it's your earning less or the crisis that we're all going through at this moment um, or your body's moving less or just a lack of predictability. Mm. If you go through like, uh, which I would rarely recommend is in that kind of part of the Internet where it's very meal prep on Sunday and very regimented, it can be a it it can work for some. When you have a chronic condition, most of these conditions are unpredictable. And I think it's just mm-hmm. the enemy of some, like having that message is just so counterproductive because if I, and I have been through that myself where I thought, well, on a Sunday, I'm going to meal prep. And then if Sunday comes along and I can't, gosh, it would throw my entire week off. Yeah. Whereas I could have just done a little bit maybe every day that week, but then I just don't end up doing anything because I feel defeated by it all. And it's, mm-hmm. it's really important to check in with ourselves where our mind is at and give ourselves those small graces, but then also challenge ourselves in that moment and say, okay, I can't do this task, which feels like a mammoth task at the moment. And it may be so, but what can I do? What can I chip away from? And it may not be perfect. I may not be able to prep, three days worth of meals, but maybe I can do small components of it. Maybe I can just uh, roast my veg. I won't do any of the rest. I'll just roast my veg or I'll just, you know, boil some things so they're ready to go. Um, And even if I have to have a takeaway or a packet of food, I'll start with the veg that I've roasted. So most of my meal is still that. It's those small wins that actually Mm -hmm. go a long way. Yeah, I agree. And you also, you mentioned if you're on your own, you don't have a lot of support around you access by an online these things need to be a bit easier for you and you need to not beat yourself if you feel that you're doing that more than you should I mean it's just what makes life easier isn't it that that whole element of being easy on yourself and being kinder to yourself I think is is super important oh I couldn't agree more and I think as you were saying that I thought of another thing and like um, I hope nobody quotes me on this and just recognizes that I'm kind of speaking from my mind at the moment but I've heard something like 
a disabled person will end up spending on average, I think something like five or 600 pounds more a month on things. Um, and I don't, I haven't looked into this, but when I, I, someone just, a friend just pointed it out to me and I thought, gosh, how striking, but not surprising at all, but just something I didn't think about. And another thing that I wanted to kind of say was, you know, sometimes with our diets, there's there can be narratives around whether it's online or with your friends. And currently we know we're going through, um, we have been for a long time, a climate crisis. And a lot of people will say, well, actually for the planet, this is how we should eat or we should avoid doing online shopping because of this emission and those things. And I'm by no means discounting that impact. I am, I'm not. But when you've got, you know, body that is very in a lot of pain and you have to make trade-offs those are important trade-offs to consider and I often have to go to my friends who are very passionate about something like this and it's not that I'm not but I have to say actually it's not very accessible for me to worry about these things all the time it's not I am going to do that online delivery because well actually I won't end up eating and I think it's important to give ourselves that slack and just say those are trade-offs and be confident hopefully eventually to talk to other people in our lives and say this is why I'm doing this and um, I've made trade-offs and I think it's really important this is why I'm so conscious there's no perfect diet approach. I, I agree when you feel unwell you cannot spin all the plates you cannot tick all the boxes and that's just a fact and that's what we have to live with but I don't think we should feel guilty for that or you know have that used against us. So I'm totally in agreement with what you're saying there. Thank you to Chavi for sharing all this information so far interwoven with her insights on being a patient herself. We are going to continue the conversation. So please join us for episode two, where we will be delving into intermittent fasting, supplements, the impacts of things like stress and sleep and Chavi will share some more of her tips for managing nutrition during difficult times such as flare-ups. Bird are committed to helping patients increase knowledge about rheumatic conditions because we know this can have a really positive impact on living with them. We also have a great focus on enabling people to get involved in rheumatology research to help make sure that new medications and treatments meet the needs of patients. We couldn't do any of this without the help of our volunteers and the support of our donors and sponsors, all of whom we are immensely grateful to. You can sign up to be notified about all our podcasts and our patient engagement research opportunities by joining our mailing list. Just send an email to admin at birdbath.org.uk. The address and links are in the show notes. Mm-hmm.